Today's mother asked if there was any expecting. We have one person in the, in the church that's expecting a baby. But there's all these other expectations that goes with that. And, and if you never noticed, and you've heard people talk about this, but when a woman is, is, going, is pregnant and she's developing on her way to having a baby, she begins to nest. How many of y'all have ever watched women begin to nest? And they go outside and they gather straw and, and, and stuff. And you know what I'm talking about, nest. They begin to do what? Prepare the house, prepare the room, prepare everything for this baby to come in. From the bumper pads and the bed and then the living room and all the bottles and, and the, whatever all the stuff is that babies have to have. Women begin to prepare. And I like you, if you would, this morning we're going to go into the Old Testament and read about a lady whose expectations as a mother weren't quite like everyone else's. She went through some things that didn't seem really fair in life. But go to the book of Ruth, if you will. The book of Ruth is right before 1 Samuel. Right after the book of Judges. As I look around, we have different women of different ages, and I see some grandparents holding grandbabies, and I see young mothers holding babies, and I see some of you not holding any, and some of you are expecting and, and different things. But, but the mother, um, a woman, a grandmother, whatever you are here this morning, you have expectations. You know, Glenda just walked out with the baby over here, but... Glenda is consumed with this little boy already, and she doesn't even know him yet. He's not even a week old, and, and she's consumed. And, and as a parent, often we have all these expectations. And, you know, I remember when our first son was born, I thought, man, dude, he's going to be playing basketball and baseball. He's going to hunt. And, and part of it was right. He loved to hunt, and, and, and part of it was baseball and, until other things in life began to crowd that out, and he got kind of derailed. But, but I had all these dreams and expectations for this little perfect-looking little boy with with all the things about him that were so perfect, wasn't he, Wanda? And, and Lathan was too, and so was Lana. But I'm going to just stay with Tyson for a minute because he's not here. But, but he was perfect, and he had all these dreams and these expectations. But I can honestly tell you that the dreams and expectations that we had, only parts, partials came true. And some of you are here this morning, and, and I think this is going to register with some of you. Being a mother... What you expect and what you wanted to see and what you anticipated has really not materialized the way you thought it would. And when things don't materialize to think you, the way you think they would, a lot of times we get disheartened and we think we've lost out and we think there isn't a purpose. But I think this morning that you will see there is a purpose. And we're going to go to the book of Ruth in chapter 1. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a history behind this, this book of Ruth. And the, the book is basically about Ruth, but a lot of it had to do with a woman by the name of Naomi. And uh, the woman named Naomi was her mother-in-law, and, and Naomi was a, a lady who was a little bit older in her years. She was probably my wife's age or something like that, probably in her 50s. And, and her husband, Naomi's husband, had died. She had two sons. Both of them had died. And so now all she had left was Orpha, one of her, not Oprah, Orpha. That was one of her daughter-in-laws, and the other one's name is Ruth. And, she's, and she was living in a place called Moab. And the reason her husband took her there is because where she was from in Israel, there had been a famine. And him and Naomi went down to Moab to take their boys down there and resettle and, and try to survive and try to find a way to live. And so when they went down there, they, he became sick. The father did. He died. Then the, both her sons had gotten married, and then both the sons died. And I don't know about you, but I don't think that was the expectation of Naomi when she went down there. When she went down there, she didn't anticipate losing her husband. She didn't anticipate losing both of her sons, but this is what took place. And so now she's living, and this is where some of you are. 
You're in a place where a lot of things have happened, whether you're a mother, grandmother, or just a single woman. Some of your expectations have not come to pass, and so now here you are, you're kind of stuck with a decision to make. What do I do? Every person I ever depended on, my husband was my provider, then one of my sons was my provider, then my other son was my provider, and now they're all gone. Now what do I expect to happen? So she called in her two daughters-in-law, she said, girls, I want you to go back to your families, go find you a man, settle down, have kids, and have a family. I'm going back to my homeland. And they both said, no, 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 we don't want to go, Naomi. And she goes, no, you need to. And so Orpha goes, okay, I'll go back. Baru said, I'm not going. She said, wherever you go, Naomi, I'll go. Wherever you live, I'll live. Whoever you serve, I'll serve. And and the reason that that's really important is because what did Ruth see in the life of Naomi that made her join herself to her that way? And here's the thing about unexpected things in life that we don't understand. Your character has to remain stable even through the unexpected. You are a woman and you are a life changer. You're the one that brings life into the family. You're the one that makes all the difference The father has his role, and I'll talk about that in June on Father's Day. But this morning, you are the life giver. You are the one that that brings the dynamics of something that the man cannot bring. And so your consistency is extremely important. Your consistency in who you are is something that needs to be admired by those around you. And so Ruth saw something about Naomi. She said, I want to be like this woman. I'm going to follow her. Wherever she goes, I'll leave my family, and I'll go back into the land that that she's going to go back to. So go to chapter 1 and verse 19. And so the two went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass that when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, hey, it's Naomi. Isn't this Naomi? Look, everybody, she's back. And what town did they go to? What town did they go to? She went back to her hometown of Bethlehem. Why did she go there? There's a whole lot of reasons why she went back. But I really want you to pay attention where she went to. Because that's critical in the generations to come. Let me tell you how critical it is that you learn to expect a little more. And you believe and you remain consistent. Because this is going to be the end of the message. But when Naomi went back to Bethlehem, she began to set a a series of things in order that was going to change your life. And you may think, what do you mean your life? And I mean your life, and 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 my life. Every individual, every person in Stoddard County was affected by Naomi. You're thinking, how in the world? You'll see it in a minute. Naomi went back to her homeland, and there was a girl that went with her, and, and she stuck by her side. Her name was Ruth. And she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara. Because Mara means bitterness. My life has been unfair. My life has not been just. And everything that I expected to work out has went backwards. I've come home with nothing that I left with. And sometimes we get caught up in life because things are not really as a mother especially. Because you mothers take things really to heart and you take offense to things. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's your unique design and that's the specialness about you. Us guys... We can talk about it once, and we're done. How many of y'all know what I'm about to say? My wife and I can talk about it a whole bunch of times, and she still ain't done. Because she's different. And I don't mean chewing me out. I mean just a circumstance or a situation. Naomi had went through some severe grief, and she goes back, and she said, don't call me Naomi. Y'all know what Naomi means? Let me look at my notes. 
Naomi means pleasantness. When someone's pleasant, it means they're a joy to be around. And although she at this time said, no longer call me Naomi, call me Mara, because my life has been bitter, the really core of who she really was was still a sweetened, sweetened lady. And I think that's what drew Ruth to her. Now, you may think that you're not that important as a mother-in-law or as a mother or a grandmother or, or whatever, but, man, who you are and how you carry yourself is extremely critical. So, anyway, she gets past this. Her expectation had changed. She was basically hopeless, no one to provide provision. Even with, when her expectations were limited, she knew she had to do something, so she went back. Go to chapter 2. And so um, she's all bitter, upset, life has been unfair. And now we go to chapter 2 and verse 19. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today, and where hast thou wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that taketh knowledge of thee, and he that showeth unto her, showeth her, mother-in-law, whom she was wrought, and said, That man's with whom I am wrought to this day is Boaz. In other words, this is where I went and worked. I went and worked in his field, and I gleaned wheat and picked up pieces of wheat and put in my basket and brought home. And Naomi said unto her daughter, daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and the dead. Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. Now, let me tell you the significance of that. Some of you may get bored with this history, but what was unique about this is the descendants in the family of Naomi's family were the ones who had first opportunity to ask Ruth in marriage. And so, behold, she goes and works in a guy's field, and his name is Boaz. And she goes into Boaz's field, and he goes, Man, that girl's hot. She's smoking. Look at that. Not literally. I mean, she smoked. It doesn't matter. She looks good. Let me get it back to my term. She's foxy, right, honey, from the 70s and 80s? Okay, this is really old. But anyway, she's fine. She's a brick house. Look at that girl. So here she is. Stay with me. This is Mother's Day, and I've, I've not had a Mountain Dew, I promise you. And so, so he sees her, and he takes notice. Larry Parker, forgive me for all my unjust words. But So he sees her, and he's drawn to her, and he goes, wow, she's amazing. And he goes, guys, drop a little extra barley for her. She's gleaning the corner of the field. Put a little extra for her. And she was told by her mother-in-law, stay with those women. Stay with those women. Work together. You're in a good place. Those, those guys there are sloppy harvesters. They give you plenty to glean. Glean means they go in after the harvest and they pick up what's left over. So Ruth goes there. And she catches the eye of a guy by the name of Boaz. Now, let's go back in time. Where was Ruth from? She was from Moab. Where were the descendants of Moab from? They were from an incestual relationship between a father and his daughters. The oldest daughter had a son, and his name was Moab. And so the Moabites came out of this man. How could God take something out of an incestual relationship and build a country out of it and then bring greatness out of that mess in a woman's name by the name of Ruth? Ruth goes on, and we're going to go a little bit farther in this, but see, the expectation that you often have whenever you're looking at things as a young mommy, and you got that baby, and, and they're spitting up, and using the bathroom, and changing diapers, and you just love every minute of it, it doesn't matter how much they puke on your ear, or throw up, it doesn't matter, you're a mom, that's part of being a mom, wiping those bottoms is no problem, staying up at night is no problem, right mothers? Okay, sometimes it is, but basically that's your nature, it's the nature of a mother, but now here we have a woman by the name of Ruth, and, and what God was beginning to do in this whole family is God was taking the unexpected and beginning to make something take place that they never could have expected. Often our expectations are not met, 
But as we remain faithful to God, he will begin to exceed our expectations. I'm going to say that again. Because there is no way Naomi could have imagined Boaz and Ruth. Some of you look at, some of your family looks at you and they go, there is no way you will amount to anything. But you have and some of you are. There's something about when God gets involved in a person's life and they allow him to begin to work. I mean, it begins to change everything. The dynamics of how you think. Philip, Nikki, dude, I don't care what your hardships are, Nikki. The Lord's got a purpose in your life. He just does. And every other one in here that may have some struggles with things you battled in your past. Man, God's expectations, if you'll be faithful, will do amazing things. Life never moves forward if we only dwell on what's unexpected. We have to learn to expect more. Okay, so here we have Ruth. Um, Ruth was the lady who began to set things in order. Go to chapter 4. We're going to wrap this up, and I'm going to be, I'm going to let you go a little early um, on Mother's Day, which is probably right. But in chapter 4 and verse 13, it says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord which has left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. Let me tell you what just took place. There was no royal blood in Naomi's life. There was no royal blood in Ruth's life. But there was royal blood in Boaz's life. And stay with me, I'm almost finished. And he, shall, and he shall be unto thee a restorer of life and a nourisher of thy old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. I want you to get the video ready. We're going to do it after I get done, okay? And Naomi took the child, and she laid it in her bosom and became, became nurse to it. And the woman, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, The son is born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, and Jesse is the father of David. If you know anything about Scripture, Israel began to change when David was made king. Who would have ever thought that the expectations of Naomi would end up with her grandson, great-grandson, great-great-grandson being the king of Israel? Never. Now, here's how God works. God will take some of you... At, wherever you used to live or whatever you used to be involved in or whatever's went on in your life, God will take those old expectations, which may have been nothing, and he'll begin to bring you to a place that you begin to have expectations that are different. Matter of fact, I did a message on Wednesday night, several Wednesday nights ago. Isn't it about time that somebody expects something? Isn't it about time that you begin to expect something in your life? So many people just live they never have any expectation. And all of Naomi's were rotten. They stunk. They were terrible. But as God began to work in her life, and the same with you and I, if we will let him have number one place, we will make him be the Lord of our life, he will begin to change everything about us in our future. The real blood. Second place. and I'm just going to close. We're going to sing a song and close, and we're going to leave this morning watching the video. It's going to be the last thing that we do. One of the things that's often not very common with, um, with kids and their mothers, a lot of times they don't show them respect. Um, my wife and I, she came to the office a little early this morning. I was listening to Jensen Franklin, and I was listening to his Mother's Day message from last year. Stay with me. And Jensen was a teenager, 
and he was in their house, and his mom said something to him, and he's smart mouth, bad mouth or smart mouth off, whatever he said to her. But he said the next thing he knew, I don't know if he got knocked on the floor, but he said there was this numb, throbbing sensation on the side of his face. And I know some of you just, I mean, you thought mama just knocked the tar out of him, but it wasn't mama. Dad went over and slapped the side of his head off. He put it back on, but he slapped it off. And he said, dude, that was a monumental time in my life. I never talked to my mom like that again because my father defended her. Scripture in Exodus chapter 20 and then uh, I believe it's it's in uh, in Galatians. It says that children respect your parents in the Lord for this is right. And if you'll respect them and you'll honor them, you'll have a long life. There's something good about learning to respect those in authority over you. But this is the last thing I'm going to share. And a few months, probably a month or so ago, um, the Lord gave me that I was reading. And, and I read this. And go to Psalms 113, if you will. And this is what we are going to close with on Mother's Day. I know some of you think, man, you're a woman here. And you I really don't like Mother's Day. It's awkward. I don't have a kid. Never have had a child. And I've tried. And it just never happened. I've always been, you know, this is the way life is. And I've accepted that. And so Mother's Day just reopens wounds. And let me tell you what the Lord says about this. And you can read in different versions, and it probably make a lot of sense in some other versions. But I just have the King James with me. But Psalms 113 and verse 9 says this. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Often, women take it so personal because they haven't had a child. And man, when I read that, it just got all over me about the power of influence every single woman has. But the woman who's never had her own, you have an ability to love multiple kids instead of just your own. I don't know if that makes sense or not. But some of you, I'm not saying God put barrenness on you, but I'm going to tell you this, but God's give you opportunity to love people that other mothers can't. Because I'm going to be honest with you, if you're a mother in this place this morning, your kids are number one. They may get on your nerves. You may wish you never had them at times. You wish you could ship them off, whatever. I know all those emotions because I've had the same feelings as a father. But there is something about a mother who's been barren, who's never had her own. She looks at kids differently. She looks and she wonders, I wonder what he was like when he was little. I wonder why he's having the problems he's having. I wonder why she's having those issues socially. And she has a heart for people that she never bore that only a barren woman can do. And I begin to think about the uniqueness of God that he has called some of us to step out of a zone of, of being regular like everybody else and giving us greatness in an area that we never would have had if we had our own kids. But don't blow it. Stop fretting and panicking and being angry and bitter because you haven't had children and begin to draw all those in that maybe you can influence in a way that nobody else ever could. If it's not marked in your scripture, in your Bible, and you're a woman, you've never had children, you need to mark that. Psalms 113 verse 9. Barren, take care of the house and love many children. This Bible's amazing. The things it covers and the topics it discusses.